All right, before uh, I get into the message this morning, I, want, I wanted to share with you, uh, you know, you need to brace yourself here, but all this, this should just excite all of the women that are here this morning. Listen, they have started a, or they have uh, opened up a brand new store in New York City, and, and it's called the Husband Store, okay? And... Uh, if, if you're here and you're looking for a husband, this brand new store was built so that you can go and visit the store and, and just kind of shop a little bit while you're there. But there's some guidelines for the shopping experience, okay? Now, the store has six floors on it. And, you know, once you've visited the floor, these are the guidelines, once you have visited the floor... The rule is you can't go back down to that floor. You either have to choose whatever floor you're on, the man that you see there, or you get a chance to go on to the next level and, and see what is the option. In other words, you can't just shop around and, 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 and just kind of see what all's available. You, uh, you have to make a decision because every level that you go up, again, you can't return back down to the previous Level, you can't go back down. So you can't check out the merchandise and then come back down and say, I think I'll pick this guy. You know, that's no, the way it works now. So there was a woman that decided to go and, and visit the husband's store, okay? Now, when she got to the first floor, she read a sign, and on that sign, the sign said, Husbands with Jobs. And she went, Wow, that, that, that's, that's, that's great. I mean, that's, that's a good start. But, but she said, you know, uh, I know that there's, you know, five more floors. So she said, you know, I guess what I'll do, I'll go to the, I'll go to the next floor. Now, when she gets to the second floor, it says that, that these men have jobs and they love kids. So they think, hey, it's getting better. It's getting better. But still, you know, if it's getting better, you can't, you know, you, you, you can't stop there. You know, you got to go to the third floor. Well, she gets to the third floor, and it says, These men have jobs, they love kids, and they are extremely good-looking. So she's thinking, you know what? It just keeps getting gooder and gooder. She's thinking, you know, I mean, I mean how much better can it get? You know, but she's thinking, well, curiosity, you know, I, she's... I'm going to the next floor. So she goes to the next floor, and the sign says, These are men that have jobs, love kids, are good-looking, and they help with the housework. I thought you ladies would like that. I thought you ladies would like that. I mean, listen, it, it gets, it's getting better. She's like, wow, this, this is incredible. It can't get any better than that. But then she says, you know what? There's still two more floors. And it just keeps getting better and better. She gets to the fifth floor. And the sign says, these men have jobs, they love kids, they're extremely good looking, they, they help uh, with housework, and they are extremely romantic. And they're thinking, wow, there's no way that it could get any better than that. But there's still one more floor. So what, what, what do women do? If there's one more floor, what do they do? They go to the sixth floor, okay? Well, when she got to the sixth floor, the sign said, you are the 31,456,012th person to visit this floor. There are no men on this floor. This floor exists solely to prove that women are impossible to please. 
there's a man. Th- 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 <laughs> yeah. th- there is a man version on that, but m- maybe I'll, 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 I'll get to that one next time. We don't have time for that, but uh, either way, anyways, I love you. I'm glad that you're here today. It's good to laugh. Spirit of God's here, but uh, I do believe that God has something to share with us this morning, so if you'll go ahead and turn over to the book of Nehemiah chapter number four. Nehemiah chapter number four. Again, I want to say like Clay uh, mentioned, you know, we we welcome all of our first-time visitors. We're so thankful that you're here, and uh, uh, we're going to celebrate a baptism here shortly, and Listen, it's just going to be a good day in the house. It's already been a good day in the house of God. But uh, I believe that God has something to share with us, and I pray that you're ready to receive, that you get in receive mode, and that you let the Word of God minister to you. But Nehemiah chapter number 4, we're going to be reading verse 6 through verse 11. And, and what we find out here in, in the book of Nehemiah, in the first three chapters, what takes place, this just gives you a little bit of context, what takes place in the first three chapters is... Nehemiah is, 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 he's not a full-time minister, he's not a pastor, you know, he, he's not in full-time ministry, he's actually a government man, he works for the government. He works, his boss is King Artaxerxes, and he's the king's cupbearer, and so, you know, he, he, he's got a state job, government job, you know, like, like Brian Colville, you know, he, he, he works for the federal government, he, you know, he, that's, you know that, that, that's what he did, okay? But he heard about the condition of Jerusalem and how that the wall that surrounded Jerusalem was laying desolate and and the people were just, their lives were in shambles. And for 141 years, no progress had been made. The people have just kind of settled into their negativity, critical mode, and and, uh, and, and they were just in this... Uh, this mindset that, you know what, things are always going to be this way. But, but all of a sudden, when he heard the report about what happened uh, with the people in Jerusalem and the wall, he got a burden from God, okay? Now, uh, this burden from God drove him to a place of prayer. And not only just prayer, he, he prayed and, his, and he fasted. And as he prayed and he fasted, out of that prayer and fasting he received a vision from God on how to go back and rebuild the wall, mobilize the people, get them ready, give them an assignment. He was able to organize the people that lived there, and through the, 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 the work of people coming together, the wall began to get built. And so God gave him a plan. And so in verse or chapter number four, what we find out is that the wall is actually halfway finished. You know, they rebuilt this wall in 52 days. So verse 20, or, or chapter 4, verse 11, as we read through this, what we see is they're halfway finished. They've worked for 26 days. They have made incredible progress, significant progress. Things have been going well, and then all of a sudden, halfway between where they were and where they're going, they begin to experience some things that every single one of us can relate to. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse number 6, it says, So we built the wall, and all of the wall was joined together to half its height. In other words, it's halfway finished. For the people had a mind to work. Listen, you know what? It's, you know, it's, it's wonderful when we work together, we cooperate, we're in unity. Listen, we're able to accomplish so many things together. But listen, the devil hates unity. You know, he wants to divide and conquer, and it's about this time that we find out that O. Watts' name shows up. You know who O. Watts' name is, right? What's his name? The devil. But you know what? You'll find out when the devil shows up here, he doesn't show up in a red, red suit with a long tail and a pitchfork. 
He shows up through the lives of people. Shocker there. And so here's what happens. He says, but Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the gaps were beginning to close. And you know what it says? And they become very angry. They were upset that progress was being made. Listen, do you know that when you begin to move forward in your life, you're going to experience adversity because the devil wants to stop your progress? You know that adversity is only the devil's reaction to progress. So, so don't, don't, don't allow adversity or, or, or opposition or even criticism to keep you from building the wall because it's just proof that progress is being made. So this is what happens. They became very angry because they were making progress. Not everybody's going to be happy that you're moving on. As a matter of fact, have you ever noticed that people that are not doing anything want you to do it with them? People that don't, they're not going anywhere, they want you to go nowhere with them. I paused for an amen, but it didn't come anyways. And it says, and they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God, and he set a guard as a protection against them day and night. Look at verse 10. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who are bearing the burdens or the laborers, the people who are on the front lines, the people that are involved in the work of the ministry, the people that are in the trenches, you know, the people that are, that are carrying the load so that progress could be made. It says that the strength of those that are bearing the burden is failing and there is too much rubble or rubbish. But ourselves, by ourselves, we cannot build or we'll be able to rebuild this wall. And look at verse number 11 as we conclude. And our enemies said. Listen, the devil will always bring criticism and accusation against you, especially when you are making progress and doing the work. So what happens is they're halfway in between uh, the completion of a job. And here's the truth. You know, being halfway is probably the most dangerous place you can find yourself in because they've been working 26 days straight and, and things are going really good. And then all of a sudden, oh, what's his name? It sounds like a lot of church life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, anytime you start to do good and move forward, the devil's going to show up and he shows up in the lives of people and they begin to discourage them and threat against them and, and, and they become weary and overwhelmed and they look around and they're thinking, listen, there's just so much stuff left to do. They didn't look, they're, they're, they're saying, you know what? We have so much farther to go, but they've already forgot about just how far they've come. See, some of you, listen, you, you're overwhelmed because you know that you still got a long way to go. Because, but the other thing is this. Listen, the devil will make you forget about all the progress or how far you've come since you've got started. Some of you have come a really long way. Now, listen, I'm not the best preacher in Clay County, but let me tell you something. I'm better than what I used to be. I'm, listen, and, and you know, I, I'm no Billy Graham, but I'm the best Donald Sims that you'll ever meet. And our enemies said, they will, not, they will not know or see till we've come against them and kill them and stop the work. That is exactly what I believe 
is happening to many of you in your life, whether it be your family, whether it be relationships, whether it be finances, whether it be ministry, whether it be church, whether it be your workplace, you're making a difference where you're at. And because you're making a difference, the enemy's coming against you to the point that he wants to keep you from moving any farther ahead with your life, and he wants to stop the work that is going on. So I want to talk to you just for a few moments on overcoming discouragement. Would you pray with me? Father, we commit this time to you. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to overcome my limitations, my weaknesses, my insufficiencies, and be everything that I'm not. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to understand and wills that will obey. Help us to see the work that you've called us to in our lives, in our families, and in this church and in this community. Father, I pray your blessing upon your word. I pray if there's people here today, and I know they are, that are overwhelmed with discouragement, that you would say something and by your spirit touch them today, that they leave encouraged and strengthened because you are moving in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Overcoming discouragement. Every person in here understands what it means to go through times of discouragement. As a matter of fact, discouragement is going to be a part of your life the rest of your life. You're going to go through seasons where things are going to go well, things are not going to go so well, things are going to be made, you're going to make progress, you're going to take two steps back, it's up and down, and, and things happen and, and, and we have to understand that this is a normal part of life. A lot of different things discourage us. Problems discourage us. People discourage us. Lack of progress discourages us. But we have to understand, this is a normal part of life. There's no such thing as a problem-free life. But we have to learn that that, that discouragement is not something that can be avoided, but it is something that can be overcome. Now, this is where we're at in Nehemiah chapter number 4. We see that they have made progress. And there are some lessons that we need to learn about making progress. Anytime that you dedicate yourself to making a difference, there's going to be somebody. People will come out of the woodworks. People will come from within your own uh, relationship, your own circle of influence, and tell you why you can't do what you're doing. In other words, they become professional fault finders. In other words, they, they, they're able to, they feel very qualified to speak over your vision, but they don't do anything to help you accomplish your vision. They sit on the seat to do nothing, and their favorite song is, I shall not be moved. You don't know anybody like that, do you? This is what happens. And so they're making progress. They have determined that we're going to rebuild the wall. And any time that you determine to fix your life, to fix your family, to fix your relationships, to fix the church, to fix the community, I can promise you as you start making progress, people are going to begin to surface in your life, become critical, negative and harsh and tell you why you can't do what God's called you to do. Have you ever run into any of those folks? Now, 
This is what's happening in Nehemiah's life. Nehemiah has a burden from God because he hears what happens to the city in Jerusalem. From that burden, he begins to pray. As he prays, God gives him a vision. From that vision, God gives him a plan. He begins to organize and begins to move forward. See, what happened in Nehemiah's life? He was living the good life. He was in the king's palace. He was extremely comfortable. Let me tell you something. Christianity is a lot of things, but there's one thing Christianity is not. It is comfortable. If you have a comfortable version of Christianity, you really don't have Christianity at all. Christianity involves counting the cost, taking up a cross, and following Jesus every single day. Salvation costs you nothing, but to be a disciple, it will cost you everything. So, so Nehemiah has this vision. He's got a plan, and, and he's dedicating himself. And so he moves from being comfortable to concerned and consecrated. I mean, that's the process all of us go through. Listen, some of you, you're extremely comfortable in your life right now. You're extremely comfortable with the way things are going. You're comfortable in the seat you're sitting in. You're comfortable in your home. You're comfortable in your nice bed. You're comfortable in your nice car. And you're comfortable with your bank account. And you're comfortable with your job. And you're comfortable with uh, the material things of life. But yet, we have a community out here, out Outside the four walls of this building that the majority of them are lost and dying and on their way to hell all while we are extremely comfortable right where we are. So Nehemiah was living the life. He was living the dream. And he heard of the condition that the people were in in Jerusalem. And it convicted him. It burdened him. He said, you know what? I I'm concerned. And listen, here's the thing about being concerned. Listen, being concerned is not the same as it, something piquing your interest. Listen, there's a lot of things that kind of pique your interest. But you know what? You can just, you know, turn the switch. You can flip it on or you can flip it off. But when you are concerned, genuinely concerned, then you're going to do something about it. Listen, people that are concerned are working toward making things better. Now, you can say you're concerned, but if you're not doing anything to bring change, you're not concerned. You're just kind of, you know, interested in what's happening. And so this is what's going on in Nehemiah's life. He, he moves from being comfortable to concerned and being consecrated. Once he's consecrated, he is committed to going back to Jerusalem and doing something about the problem. Listen, we will never be a part of the solution of what's happening in Clay County until we understand that we are also a part of the problem. What is the part of our what what part do we contribute to the problem? We are extremely comfortable with the way things are. We've looked at the wall just like Nehemiah has. For 141 years, nothing changed for them. They become completely discouraged, depressed. Their attitudes were like, it's always going to be this way. Nothing's ever going to change. And they just begin to settle that this is the normal. This is the best that God has for us. And they give up hope that change might be possible. Listen, there's a lot of people in our community, people that are here this morning, you are in the same condition. You have just 
hurt things have been this way forever. And, and, and it's hard for us to believe that things could actually change. But listen, just like God revisited Jerusalem and began to rebuild the wall, and as that wall began to rebuild, the people's hopes also began to rise up as well. When you get involved in working at reaching a community and making a difference in the community, listen, it begins to change people's attitudes and perspectives concerning the church. So here's, here's what's going on in, in Nehemiah's life. They're making progress. They're getting somewhere. Not just progress. Listen, a wall that's been desolate for 141 years, in 26 days, it's, it, it's already halfway finished. So listen, they, they, they've been killing it. They've been making significant progress. And as they make progress, it's about this time that a Watts' name shows up. And how does a Watts' name show up? Through people. You know, it's one thing from an enemy on the outside to come in and attack. But it's a total different thing when people inside the, the, the circle of influence, or your inner circle, or, or people in, 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 say, the congregation, begins to criticize and complain. That's a totally different thing. This is what's happening to, to Nehemiah. People begin to criticize, they been, begin to complain, and, and Satan begins to launch an attack to keep progress from moving any farther. Listen, adversity happens. We have to overcome it. It's inevitable. The result is you have to acknowledge that it's there, that you're discouraged, and then you have to face it head on. Otherwise, you're never going to be able to move forward. Now, they're halfway done. They've made progress. And sometimes halfway from where you started to where you're going is the worst place you can find yourself. That is when you are most vulnerable to discouragement. Now, Nehemiah gives us four causes of discouragement, and this is in your outline if you, if you have an outline. And the first cause of discouragement, and then go ahead and go to the next slide. The first cause of discouragement is fatigue, okay? In other words, they got tired, okay? You know, due to a lot, they've been working so hard. You know, they've been given everything that they've got. They have put their shoulder to the plow shoulder to the wheel, and they've been working, and they've been working, and they've been working, and they are physically tired. The number one reason for discouragement is fatigue. When you get tired, you are extremely vulnerable to discouragement. As a matter of fact, you're not even the same person when you're tired that you are when you're rested. Some people are, are, are meaner than a hornet when they're tired. They wake up and listen, they will bite your head off. Don't look at your wives or husbands. Listen, I mean, I know, probably not in this church, probably in somebody else's church, but I mean, I mean what happens is they're, they're tired, and tired eyes rarely see a bright future. In other words, listen, they have made mega progress. God is at work in their midst. They're doing great. They're fulfilling the purpose and the vision and the plan of God. And they got tired and all of a sudden they're ready to give up and quit. Discouragement sits in. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever felt like giving up and quitting? Have you ever felt like throwing in the towel? Have you ever felt like, listen, let me tell you something. I give up. I mean, I'm not going to do anything else. You're tired. Here's the thing. Never make permanent decisions based on temporary feelings. Man, that, that's a good word right there. Some of y'all need to get a tattoo right on your forehead. 
Never make permanent decisions based on temporary feelings. Feelings are fickle. That's why you got to have a relationship with God. That's why you got to have a prayer life. That's why you got to have a word life. Listen, listen, not everything that comes in our life is a crisis. Not everything that we're facing is life and death. As a matter of fact, nothing had happened to these people other than people started running their mouth. But listen, if people criticizing and being negative and complaining and accusing causes you to give up, then you need to take a step back, get a grip, take a breath, and say, listen, what's going on here? Problem is, we listen to what the devil's saying and we begin to give in and start believing the lies. Now, these guys were completely exhausted. They're totally depleted. They're completely drained. And here's when they are the most vulnerable. Let me tell you something. I don't care how good of a church service we have on Sunday morning. I don't care how awesome your small group is. I don't care if you get Holy Ghost goosebumps and doodads on your arms and you jump, spin, twirl, and do cartwheels. I can promise you that will not sustain you when you start facing adversity. The problem is that instead of becoming spiritually mature, we, we just live off of the emotion and the hype of a feeling, and then all of a sudden feelings change because we get sucker punched, and it takes the air out of us. That's what's happened here. They've made progress. Here's the thing. Listen, when you are exhausted... That opens the door to discouragement, and discouragement has destroyed multitudes of people who had great potential to accomplish great things for God. People are tired. That's what's happening here. Here's the second thing. Second thing is this, frustration. Fatigue always leads to frustration. And frustration comes because you have lost your vision. You've forgotten that you have a purpose, that you were created with purpose, that God has a plan for your life, that he's going to order your steps, he's going to direct your path, that, that you didn't choose him, that he chose you, he ordained you, that you bring forth much fruit, that your fruit would remain, that God is a God of purpose, that he's positioned you right where you are for such a time as this. And listen, when you get fatigued and you start becoming frustrated, you start getting distracted. And when you start getting distracted, that is a very dangerous place to find yourself in. Serious, life-threatening car accidents happen as a result of broken focus. Major, major problems occur. Permanent damage happens. Sexually transmitted diseases take place because of broken focus, because of distraction, because you have lost sight of the vision and you're caught up in the circumstance or the problem or the drama that's going on, and you have lost vision. That's what's happened here. They, 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 they're frustrated. 
because they're tired. And when you're frustrated, your mountains look bigger, your valleys look deeper, the simple things become complicated. Now look what they say here. They're so frustrated that they've forgotten how far they've come. They're halfway done. And they can't see that God's done anything in their midst. All they can see is the rubble. All they can see is the trash. All they can see is the problems. All they can see is the garbage. And they have been making mega progress. They can't even see God working in their midst because all they can do is see what kind of mess is going on around them. Listen, that's the way a lot of church folk are. Listen, they get tired, they get frustrated, they get caught up with the drama that's going on, and they forget that you're here to win souls and make disciples. And when you stop doing that, you can expect problems to occur. All they can see is the mess. Listen, when you're doing something and true life is happening, it's a mess. Come to my house if you don't believe me. You're not going to see hardly anything put in order. As a matter of fact, we've got a sign on the front door that says, Enter in at your own risk. But I can tell you one thing, that it's not in our house, and it's dead. I would rather be in a church that don't have it all together than in a dead church where everybody just sits there with their arms crossed, with a big puckered out lip that sits here and just like, Church has got to become a place where it's okay not to be okay. Do you know that? That, that, That's what's happening here. They're frustrated. Listen, when, 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 when you're fatigued and you become frustrated, listen, when fatigue walks in, faith walks out. Now, here's something. You can go to the next slide. Here's something that... A lot of church people have perfected. Now, this will be worth your time coming this morning, okay? You ready for this? Christians have the ability to turn a bad moment into a bad day. And then a bad day into a bad week. And a bad week into a bad month. And a bad month into a bad year. And a bad year into a bad life. Okay? And we forget how to live life one day at a time. Listen, a lot of your problems could be conquered and overcome if you learned just to live one day at a time. Because I don't know about you, but listen, yesterday for me ended last night. Whether yesterday was a good day or whether yesterday was a bad day, listen, I'm not going to let my yesterday affect my today or my tomorrow. Because yesterday ended last night. Some of you are still living and reliving your yesterday and you become a victim of a bad moment that turned into a bad day, into a bad week, into a bad month and you've been in this rut for years. Why? Because you've not let yesterday end. You relive it. My question is, how's that working out for you? tired. Look what happens here. It says, Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building and hired counselors against them 
to frustrate their purpose. This scripture says frustration comes from the res- is the result of losing focus on your purpose. When you've forgotten that you're here for a purpose and a reason, it's a lot easier for you to get frustrated. You can become a victim of everything that's happening around you. And listen, let me tell you something. When you live with a victim mentality, you know what happens? You begin to wallow in self-pity. And listen, self-pity is a demon. You need to get over yourself. Now, I'm not saying everything in life is easy. I'm not saying that everything in life is a piece of cake. But listen, the truth is there's a lot of things that happen in our life that are not a big deal that we make out and to be a huge deal that are not really a big deal at all. There's some things to be concerned about. There's some things to be upset about. But the majority of the things that we get upset about are not important. Amen? This is what's happening. They made progress. Sometimes staying focused on the big picture is the greatest challenge that we face. Listen, this church and every church in our community is here for a reason. And that is to make a difference in the lives of the people in our community. But if you were to ask the people in our community whether the church is making a difference or not, I would dare say that they would say probably not. Here's a good way to evaluate whether we're doing anything significant or not. If we close the doors in this place and we never open them up again, would the community know that we even exist? And if if, if our community doesn't know that that, that we're here to help and that they don't look at us as a way of of coming to find help, what are we doing in the first place? But they were committed. And what happened was they got distracted because they were tired. They become frustrated. This is the third thing. Third thing's this. Failure. Sometimes when you get tired and frustrated and you stop moving forward, you feel like a failure. You feel like it's over. You feel like giving up. You feel like quitting. You lose confidence. Look what the verse says here. Verse 10. Things were going so bad, they were so discouraged that their attitude changed and they're saying, we can't can't do it. We, we 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 won't finish it. We might as well just camp out right here because this is as good as it's going to get for us. Some of you, that's where you live every day. Some of you, that's the way your attitude is about this church. Some of you, that's the way that you look at your life. You have settled for something far below the kind of life God has called you to live. Christianity is something that God has given us, not so we can become religious, but that we can have significance with a relationship with God and out of the overflow of this relationship with God that we have purpose and meaning and out of that purpose and meaning we make a difference in the world around us. It all comes out of that. But they're ready to give up. 
They're saying, we're not able to build the wall. Was this true? Could they not continue on? Had they not made... This is not true, but that's what they start believing. Here's the problem with a lot of people. A lot of people believe, start believing the lies that the enemy is speaking, and they say, you know what? That's a good point, devil. Some of us, you know what? We got more faith in the devil to destroy us than we do in God to save us. I mean, I'm talking about negative... I mean, I hate negativity with a passion. If, if you've got a bunch of negativity, just keep it. I don't even want to hear it. You know what? Because you don't even have to be a spiritual person to point out what's going wrong. Ask Bob. Listen, I've talked about Bob, Bob, we know what we're about here. I'm not saying no ask him right now, but ask him after service. We're about solutions. Some people can find a problem with every solution and believe it's a gift from God. I'm just trying to save you some time, Pastor. This ain't going to work. It's never worked before. You can't do small groups in Clay County because, you know what, they don't understand it. And, you know, small groups, what are they anyways? I'm not going to... I'm moving on. This is... They're at the point where they want to give up and quit. Listen to this. Thomas Edison said this. Many of life's greatest failures are those who do not realize how close they were to succeeding when they gave up. Winston Churchill said, Courage is going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. Every disappointment, every setback, every failure carries with it the seed of equal or greater benefit. You can learn from anything. You know, I I sent out a tweet because I'm a tweeter. And I sent out a tweet the other day that said, making mistakes is better than faking perfection. Making mistakes is better than faking perfection. And listen, let me tell you something. Church folk have mastered the art of having it all together. And nobody does. No, the only thing that we have in common is issues. But you look around this building this morning, you think everybody's got it together. Lie. Nobody got it together this morning, including myself. Since when has it not been okay to not be okay? And, and this is what happens. You know what? We, we... Let me stay focused on what I'm doing here. I could preach for an hour on each one of them, and, and, but I ain't going to. Here's the fourth thing. They go from fatigue to frustration to failure to fear. What happens is as people start talking and running their mouth, they begin to start believing the lies and the criticisms going on, and they're thinking, you know what, maybe... Maybe it is just going to fall apart. Maybe it is just going to, maybe it's not going to get better. Maybe our best days are behind us. Some of you, that's the way you're living your life right now. The best days of your life are behind you, and what a tragic, tragic attitude to have. If all you do is talk about the good old days, that is, that is a tragedy. Because God's not the God of the good old days. 
He's the God of yesterday, today, and forever. Listen, let me tell you something. God's on the move, and if you stop to look behind you for what God did, you'll miss out on what God is doing. Some of you right now, you're camped out in the past that you can't see God moving in your life right now, and you're really, really close to stepping into something extremely life-changing that's going to make a difference in the lives of multitudes of people, and you can't even see it. They were... Listen... If it made it in this book, it's pretty significant. Even if it is just building a wall. Building a wall is not a big deal. Except when God tells you to build a wall. And when God tells you to build a wall, all of a sudden building the wall is a big deal. Let me tell you something. Our welcome team, our greeters, our parking lot attendants, let me tell you something. That is a big deal. Smiling, welcoming people is a big deal. How big a deal is it, Donald? Well, let's put it this way. People make up their mind about a church in the first 12 minutes they walk through the door. In other words, listen, forget about how good the music is and forget about how good the preaching is. Listen, if people can walk around like this... They done figured out this is what kind of church this is. I'm just being honest. Whatever God's called you to do, let me tell you something, it's a big deal. The woman that, that, that had the alabaster box, you know the story, right? I mean, she, put every, she poured her life into it, you know. Some people say that there was like a year's worth of wages in there. And when Jesus came, she broke the alabaster box poured it on Jesus, anointed him for his burial. And you know what church people said to her? What a waste. You know, that could have been sold and given to the poor. I mean, again, religious people don't know the difference between something that's significant and something that is useless. And what Jesus said, no, so that wasn't a waste. That was significant. So significant is that everywhere the gospel is preached from here on what she's done for me will be told on her account. What other people view as insignificant, Jesus says this is extremely significant. The point is this. No matter how small what God's called you to do looks in the eyes of other people, if you'll put your whole life into it, you'll do something for God that will be unforgettable. And don't worry about what religious people say. They're going to criticize. Because that's what he says in verse 11. And our adversaries said, our enemies said, Mark Twain said, I've lived a long life and have had many troubles, most of them which never happened. Think about this for a moment. How many things have you got ripped out of the frame over, bent out of shape, lost your wig freaked out that never even happened. We can turn a sneeze to a cold, to a flu, to pneumonia, to being hospitalized. Just because you got some dirt up your nose. Oh, I know what you got. Drama. Some people love to create and live in drama. 
and then just spread it. The drama is the virus. I'm going to finish with this. I can go ahead and come to music. Those are the causes. What's the cure? Here's how you overcome discouragement. Okay, you ready? Number one, you got to rest. You got to rest. Elijah caused fire down from heaven. 450 prophets of Baal are destroyed. I mean, the greatest demonstration of power that's happened in Israel's history. He's turned a nation around, the entire nation of Israel says that the Lord is God. They turn from Baal. National revival happens. And then Jezebel says some things. God help me if I don't do to you what you've done to the, my prophets by this time tonight. And you know what he does? He runs. And he runs. And he runs. And he runs. And he runs. You know what God lets him do? Run and run and run and run till he is exhausted. Some of you, listen, adversities come, and just like Elijah, you run and you run and you run and you run. And God says, look, go ahead and run. You'll get tired after a while. He gets tired. He collapses. An angel pecks him on his shoulder, wakes him up, gives him something to eat. He goes back to sleep. How many of you going back to sleep after an angelic visitation? Truth is, sometimes, look, the most spiritual thing you can do is go to bed. Yeah, I said that. Some of you need to get out of bed. The working folk need to go to bed. All 10%. Ooh, man. <laughs> Rest. Jesus said this. Mark 6.31. Come alongside for a little while to a quiet place and rest. Psalms 127.2. It is useless for you to go to work and work so hard from early morning to late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to those he loves. Man, I prayed that before. I know what it's like to be tormented and lie awake. Stress, pressure, drama. Dealing with all the stuff that goes on and just lie awake. and just like, God, you, you give the ones you love rest. God, you give the ones you love rest. I just, I, I just need some rest. I need to sleep. I know what that feels like. The second thing's this. You're going to overcome discouragement. You need to remember. Verse 14. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. The problem is we forget. We forget the things we should remember and we remember the things we should forget. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind me, reaching forward to that which is ahead. I press toward the mark. Some of you need to forget what you've been remembering and then remind yourself of just what, how far God's brought you. I live my life from that perspective every day. Every day. 
I'm thankful. Every day I'm grateful. I dare you, come catch me try to get me in a bad mood. Don't ask Rachel. But <laughs> I'm going to smile. I choose to be happy. You know why? Because I'm in control of that. I don't give other people permission to make me happy or unhappy. You don't control my destiny. You ever met people that push your buttons? My question is this, whose buttons are they in the first place? If you didn't give them to people, they'd never push them. Take your buttons back. Your life will be better. You get anything out of this? Number three, resist. He says, fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. Listen, anything that is good is hated by everything that's evil. Anything that is good is hated by everything that's evil. Listen to this. Nobody has been a loser longer than the devil. So don't talk in a way that makes him think he's winning. Don't let that go out. Nobody. The devil's a loser. God has the final word. Don't let stuff come out of your mouth that gives him hope. Because I've read the end of the book. He is a loser. He loses. We win. The last thing is this. Return to the work. I love this. So we built the wall. Say it with some attitude. We built a wall. The devils start talking. We built a wall. So, so, get an attitude with the devil. Not with people, with the devil. We built the wall. You know what? They built the wall. 52 days they built the wall. For 141 years they said it can't be done. Even a lot of people try to rebuild the wall, but they get so far then they would just quit. Some of you just need to look, grab a hold of God and hang on. Listen, there's something to say with just, you know, holding on. The Bible says, doing all you know to do, stand. Just stand. But don't give up. Listen, through perseverance, even the snail made it on the ark. You can get there if you don't give up. Stand with me. If you're here this morning and you're dealing with discouragement, let me just say this to you. You're not alone. Eighty percent of pastors feel discouraged in their role as a pastor. Fifty percent of pastors are so discouraged that they would leave the ministry if they could, but they have no other way of making a living. 70% of pastors constantly fight depression. Let me say this to you. Even I 
deal with discouragement. And can, can I be really, really transparent as your pastor this morning and share with you some things that discourage me? Can I be weak and vulnerable? Can, can I just, just tell you some of the things that, that, that just I have to deal with that just become so discouraging to me? And please don't take this the wrong way. I'm just trying to be real. Listen, pastors are just people too. I put down a few things that discourage me. You know one of the things that, that, that discourages me? Christian apathy. What does that mean? There's some people, a lot of people, that have I just don't give a care attitude. They don't read, they don't pray, they don't worship, they don't give, they don't serve. They just come to church. That's a discouraging thing. You know why? Because I'm giving my life to this thing. This, I've given my life for. Not buildings. Thankful for that. But the vision God's given, I've given everything i got. Listen, I've not been in ministry as long as other people, but I can tell you this much. I know what it's like to give your life for something. And for people that come to church and just don't care, I, I don't get it. I, I, I don't get it. Here's another thing. Inconsistent attendance. People who consistently miss every other week. Now listen, I'm not saying that there's not times when things don't happen that you go on vacation. But I mean, it's like, it's not worth even being a part of. You just come because it's the religious thing to do. You were raised in church. That discourages me. Why? Because I'm giving my life for something. This is not about Donald and look at all of what he's doing. That's not it. I'm just saying, listen, if God's called you to be a part of this church, get in it wholeheartedly. Don't wait till everything has to be perfect. And you invest with your life. Here's another thing. Uncommitted Christians. In other words, Sunday morning Christians. But they don't get involved in any ministry anywhere in the church. Here's the thing. We have a great group of volunteers. Let me tell you something. Volunteers don't have more time than everybody else. They just have more heart than everybody else. And in almost every single church that I've been a part of and known, 20% of the people do 100% of the work. I don't understand that. So we've had people that, that experienced burnout, that's had to step down, that had to give up. You know why? Because other people won't step up. This is not condemnation. I'm just saying this is something I'm thinking, what are we doing wrong? Me and Clay talked for five hours after church last Sunday. Started evaluating myself. Wait a minute, I got sin in my life? Am I incompetent? What, what, what's the deal? I mean, that's where it starts at. You deal with that stuff. And the devil says, yeah, yeah, you're a horrible person and you, 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 you can't lead this church. This is as good as it's going to be for you. And I'm thinking... I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Here's another thing. Empty altars. Call a prayer meeting. You know what? If you want to gauge how popular church is, look at Sunday morning. You want to see how popular God is, call a prayer meeting. 
That's good stuff right there. I'm just venting. You said you can handle Here's the last thing. I'm going to shut up. This right here, the number one robber of joy. Nothing kills me, drains me more than people that get so easily offended at anything anybody does, especially people that have been in church for so long, but they just respond with offense. Now, again, I know things happen and we get offended, but look, if you've been in church for 50 years, you need to get a backbone and get over yourself. God's brought you through a lot of things. Come on, somebody. I've been through hard times, too. I've been done wrong, too. I've been talked about, too. I've been blamed about stuff, too. I've been criticized. My family's been criticized. But you know what? We got back on the wall. Some of you, you got off the wall. Get back on the wall. I'm getting ready to leave. I'm flying out Tuesday. You won't even see me this week. <laughs> Clay's going to come and he's going to talk about blessing. <laughs> it's hard. It's not easy. But if you're here this morning and you're discouraged, you're not alone. This is a good place. Because God wants to encourage you. Let's bow our heads. Father, Thank you for your word. Thank you that no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, there is a word that will speak right to our hearts and come to us and bring life where there is emptiness. I pray, Lord, if there's somebody here today that's on the verge of giving up and quitting, throwing in the towel, that have just given up in their heart and in their mind, that, God, you would, you would just grip them today. Let me just ask you, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and if you were to walk out these doors, and today were to be the last day that you would ever spend here on earth, and you would be thrust into eternity to stand before God, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? Are you lost or are you saved? I'm not saying, did you repeat a prayer? I'm not asking you, were you raised in church? I'm not asking you any religious question. I'm talking about, search your heart. The Bible says, no, make sure you're called, make your calling election sure. If you're not saved this morning, I'm going to count to three, and I want you to just shoot your hand straight up and straight back down. I'm not going to come back there to you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to do anything that's going to make you feel awkward. I just want to know that you're here because you are really the reason why we're here. If you're here... And you don't have 100% assurance that things are right between you and God on the count of three. Just shoot your hand straight up, straight back down. One, two, three. Hand up, hand up. Amen, amen. The rest of you that are here, you've been in church for a while, you've been doing your best just to get through, but you are overwhelmed with discouragement. I want to challenge you just to take the next few moments as they sing this closing song to spend some time in prayer. If you're lost and you want to make things right with God, 
I want to encourage you, come to this altar. Let us pray with you. We'll be right here. We'll be, we'll be more than glad. If you're here, you just need somebody to pray for you to be encouraged. As a matter of fact, it'd be good if we prayed one for another. Listen, we can be encouraged this morning as they sing this song. If you're lost and you want to be saved, if you are dealing with discouragement, you're ready to give up and you're ready to throw in the towel, I want you to get out of your seat as they sing and as they play. And let's spend some time praying before we go to the baptism. Amen.